0: And this is what it feels like like, 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 like. And this is what it feels like Guys, I got a special guest, man. This is Nick DePaulo, man. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good, man. It's gonna be a fun weekend with a lot of basketball to watch, so no complaints.
0: You know what's funny? You know what else came out? Uh, Justice League. Zack Snyder cut. I don't know if you're a big fan of DC or not.
1: I I don't. I'm not that well versed, man. I'm not.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that's crazy. So what what, what about Marvel?
1: I'm I'm out on comics. I was always playing sports and like even video games. I I played NBA Jam, and that was about it. So.
0: Ain't nothing wrong with that, brother, man. Hey, man, basketball. Speaking <laughs> of basketball, where you um, you play? Did you play? You play high school ball? Did you play college ball as well?
1: Just high school.
0: High school. Can you? All right. So, questions about high school ball. You know, you you're big behind sneakers, of course. You know, you're from Sacramento. You went to the University of Oregon, but describe your time growing up in University of Oregon, and then and then finding that way of passion. But what was your first shoe in high school, or just growing up as well, too, as well?
1: Yeah, of course. So um. You know, I grew up basically in the 90s, which was a fun time because you had all kinds of different players across the league that were young and exciting. You had all kinds of brands that had new stuff coming out. And the shoe that got, got everything started for me was the Zoom Flight 95. Um, so that was Jason Kidd's shoe, had like the spheres on the side. Um, and I, I always thought that was like a futuristic, crazy space age shoe, and it still looks futuristic 25 years later today. Um, so that was the shoe that started it for me. I didn't actually get a pair, though, growing up because um, I had a $40 budget in elementary and middle school, 50 in high school. So, you know, growing up, I was kind of resourceful. I was that kid that was like at Ross's and Marshall's finding stuff or on East Bay. You know, I was always trying to find a deal on something. And uh, for me, it kind of all went hand in hand because uh, I was really into basketball when I was probably eight or nine years old is when I realized that I wanted to play. And and we as a kid, you know, we didn't have video games or cable, so we were playing football baseball street hockey like whatever sport you could think of we would give it a shot but basketball was always the one uh, that started it all and so um like a lot of kids in the 90s you know slam magazine was coming up at that point i think they they started in 94 and so originally i thought well if i can't play the game then i want to be working around the game in some way um and so you know it was a a matter of maybe working for slam and finding out more about journalism and so i became the uh sports editor in my school paper. And that was kind of the starting point, just trying to figure out like how I could put this all together to, uh, you know, I think, I think everybody that's, when they're 10 years old, they think they're going to be the number one pick and, and have a career in the league. And then when you're about 14, 15, you realize like, all right, this might not be happening. So I got to have a, a backup. And so that was kind of always where it, where it was for me was um, I was trying to make it work and, and uh, maybe end up at slam. And that led me to, uh, led me to Oregon where I was in the journalism program.
0: Yeah, man. It's the same thing for me, man. Um, just to, This is not about me. It's about you. Just don't, I won't forget about that. This is about you, man. No, it's all good. <laughs> so, uh, Same same way, same story. My first shoe of all time was, was LeBron's first single shoe, 2004. His first okay. shoe of all time. And I remember playing for, I was in fourth grade. I was playing for the Longhorns in Sealy, Texas. It's where Eric Dickerson's from. Everybody doesn't know where Sealy's from. If you don't, now you know. Yeah. <laughs> so my first shoe, I wore them shoes all the time. But then I fell in love with the T Max because I was a big Tracy McGrady fan.
1: Yeah.
0: The storm the straps were my favorite shoe. Like, T Max five. All, yes, dog, those are the best T Max of all the time. And I even had the ugly ones too as well. Uh I think the ones in 2008. I haven't got the, I even copped those things. I wonder,
1: are you around the same age as Carson Edwards?
0: Carson Edwards. Yes, because he went to see us So yeah. I think we're probably, I think so. I'm 25. So I'm yeah. 25.
1: So he, I, I think he might be like 23 or so, but when I talked to him and he had signed with Adidas, he was like, man, T-Mac fives was like the best shoe ever when I was <laughs> growing up. Or he, Cause he's from the Houston area too. Like, that's funny. You say that. I think, I think that's the <laughs> best part about sneakers, right? It's like mm-hmm. you talk to anybody over a 25 year span and yeah. everybody's going to have three shoes, maybe from the time they were 10 to 15, that to them is the best thing. And they, have a favorite player that wore it or a certain part of the design they really liked. And, and that's always the best part about sneakers. I think is that it's not so much just something you're wearing and something you're playing in, but there's, there's so much beyond that. And, and there's obviously a personal story and a connection to it. So uh, for me, that's always fun to hear those kinds of stories. Cause I was, let's see, I was a freshman in college when the generations came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm the same, I'm the same class as LeBron. LeBron's like four months older than me. So every time, you know, I think that was when I realized I was not going to go to the NBA actually it was, it was probably a little before that, but we all watched one of his high school games on our bus ride to one of our games. And we basically got off the bus all depressed because we're like, that guy's our age. He was just on ESPN killing it. And now we got to go play a game. And we, we all suck, you know, by comparison, of course, he was our same age, but, uh, but that generation when it launched was a great time because I had the black whites and it was just a great shoe to play in. But there was also something about just, like, him being this next guy and how young he was and, and everything around it that Nike was doing. So that was a that was a fun time to be growing up for you, I'm sure.
0: It was. Um, that, that was probably the funnest time. And then I got, like, three pairs of shoes that I actually had. Throughout. I think I had an Air Max 95s in high school. Uh, I ripped a hole in my accident. And then the, uh, I had a shoe. I, I, had, to, I had Kobe Bryant's all-black shoes in 2013. I wore those in a high school game. Um, and then another shoe I had was a Charles Barkley. And there's a funny story behind this. So I had a child, I went and got the Charles Barkley, the 90 94, 95, the pumps ones. Yeah. And so, uh, I got them a size 13. My feet right now is 11 and a half or 12. And so, you know, I, I wore them out one day and my friend was like, bro, I think the shoe's too big for you. I'm like, man, you're tripping, bro. What are you talking about? And so I guess, I, I guess, I, and the Kobe's too as well. They were size 13 as well. So, man, you know, I'm walking around. This is like the girls having a volleyball game and stuff. And some girls uh, from another, from, from the other side of the town was like, your shoes too big. So they started calling me shoes too big. And to this day, my friend Darius calls me shoes too big because some girls call me shoes too big, but man, um, <laughs> sneaker collection, man, how many pairs of sneakers do you have? Is it compared to Tucker's?
1: Uh, no. So that's, I'm going to, I'm going to get out of that question easily and say PJ probably has maybe four or five times more than me, <sighs> but right. I, I have, but for, I still got quite a few. I don't want to say the exact number, but I've got quite a few for sure. And, it's kind of out of control as you would expect. So I'm trying to, every start of the school year, I try to donate 55 pairs and I got a whole corner of my basement that's like the quote unquote donate pile. So wow. I'm trying to downsize a little bit as we as we get into the rest of this year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that was always the thing, right? So I was that I was that sole collector for seven and a half years um, and we had a rule there that you couldn't sell any shoes because we just didn't <laughs> want people, you know, sometimes you get shoes from the brands or yeah. we just didn't want people like wheeling and dealing on the side. Um, and so that was always a rule, just like the brands have that rule. So I think the way it backfired was um, before you knew. Before you know it, you know, all of a sudden our own collections were out of control and we just had way too much stuff. And it was like just a, just a mess, you know? And then of course you're still tracking down stuff and buying stuff and all excited. So um, it's probably been 10, at least 10, 15 years out of control at this point. So it's kind of past the point of no return, but you know, it's obviously a passion of mine. And as a kid growing up with a, with a budget on shoes to now be able to, yeah, a lot of the stuff I wanted as a kid, yeah. um, you know, that's obviously pretty awesome and something I always appreciate.
0: Yeah, my mom, my mama would never buy me a pair of Jordans. I just started getting the Jordans till I think my junior year until I met a guy that I I was cool with at once, and he he would have all the Jordans and stuff like that. But the, the two shoes that I could, I wanted so bad in high school. My friend had a pair of the Deion Sanders, the white ones. And I was yep. like, damn, I was always, always, always walking the foot off your finish and Look at them like, damn, I really want those things. And I couldn't get them Didn't have any money. And my mom wouldn't really get them for me. Uh, Another shoe that I really wanted was, I think it was, it was, it was a Jordan 9 but it was called something, I forgot. It was, it wasn't, it was some, it was like a a baseball shoe, but it was a Jordan nine. The Barons ones. Huh? The Barons? I think it is. And I would look at them things. They were, and I was like, man, I really want those things. And they were in the store for like three or four months. And I never had <laughs> enough money to get them, and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy!" I, I begged my mom up and down every time. I went to Katie Mills or Memorial City Mall in Houston. I used to beg her, "Mom, come on, just come on, man, let's go, let's get them, let's get them." She'd be like, "Nah, nah." I was. I, she, she would always give me Converse, and I was cool on those, man. Converse was cool <laughs> for the '70s, man. Like, come on, man. But I really wanted those joints. Those are the shoes I wanted, man. And I look behind you, and I see are those. The ear, are Those. Uh, those are Penny Hardaways in purple. Right there behind
1: uh, you. no, it's the hyperflight, flight, but Hyperfly. they are they are metallic like the like the pennies you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, so growing up in Sacramento, obviously mm-hmm. there would be no no logic of having all this king stuff behind me otherwise, but I actually got like throughout this room a bunch of king stuff. But um, Jason Williams was one of my favorite players, along with Mitch Richmond. Mm-hmm. And um, Jay Will wore the hyperflight, which was all patent leather, real flashy, like his game was. And those came out when I was a junior in high school. So um, our colors were red. So I had the red pair growing up. That was the first shoe I bought with my own money. I had to save up and work work that summer. And then, you know, they were like 125 bucks, which is still like almost double my budget at the time. So my mom was thinking I was nuts. Um, But that to me was always one of my favorite shoes along with the Zoom Flight 95s. Um, So I've got like a white pair that has his 55 on the tongue and then the purple pair that that was one of his original pairs. Uh, And then I got some other stuff around here like, Oregon Lebrons and mm-hmm. Oregon Jordans mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but um, you know, been fortunate over the years to to try to track down the stuff that not necessarily is the most hyped. Like to me, the Hyperflight mm-hmm. and Zoom Flight ninety five having those is an amazing thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more about just like the shoes that I always thought were were great and I had personal connection to.
0: The equity of the shoes is always important in a way. And just to just to uh just to top just to top you right here. Like I I'm not top, but like in a way, like it killed me when you look at shoes and you're a kid and you couldn't get them because your parents wouldn't get them. Now I remember the East Bay, the whole everybody yeah. at the circular shoes they wanted. And I had never paid no mind to because I was I was get a shoe where it was cool. Like I remember I got some of the dude, I'm so mad I don't know my shoes, I'm embarrassed because I'm from you. <laughs> so uh, my first, I think my first ever pair of cool shoes was, I see them all the time now. And I think they're, 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 they're like the high top version of the SBs in a way. And they're like, they're like the, I had, I got a pair of gray ones and they had a silver, silver lining on them. And I took in them bad boys forever and everybody was like, man, those are some dope shoes. I said, yeah, I know. But uh, <laughs> I had like a few, I had, some, I had some dope shoes in high school, but in college, that's when I was able to start buying some shoes and my first Jordan I've ever bought. And I remember Funny story. I spent my life savings I at $155. I borrowed maybe 40 bucks from my cousin across the street. This is when I was 19. My mom thought I was insane. Like she called my dad next morning. Your son just spent his life savings on a, a pair of Jordans. And they are the low top of Jordan Elevens with the orange bottom. And I got yeah. them. I remember, I remember this is my, fourth pair, my first pair of Jordans. I'm outside in the tent with everybody else. I get cussed out. I didn't even know it. I was like, I, I missed my first pair of Jordans. And I got them, and I remember Chris Brown had them first, and I was like, "Dude, what?" And I just looked at the shoe, and I was like, "I finally got a pair of Jordans. It was my first pair of Jordans." And after after that, after that, I fell in love. I used to watch shows like uh, Nice Kicks, and you look at people's locker room, like Nick Young. I remember Nick Young had a main collection. And speaking oh, yeah. of the, speaking of the Oregon Forest, dude, you went to Oregon University, which is really dope. I want you to describe your time at Oregon University, like you just you told me about journalism. But what was Oregon University like? And dude, the Oregon fours are some dope. shoes. I got the Oregon fives in there, but then they're, they're not the one with the with the with the O on them. They Just yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. regular fives. And it's like, damn.
1: Well, it was uh for me, obviously. So I grew up in California and SAC, mm-hmm. but um, I always joke, I visited the Oregon Oregon campus in June. So I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was amazing. My freshman year was the worst winter in 40 years. I had no idea what I was getting into in terms of all the rain and stuff. But, but the thing with Oregon that was great was, you know, you had the basketball team and the football team that are basically like, almost like the concept car for uniforms for Nike. You know, that was such a time in the mid-2000s where Nike was really giving Oregon all these crazy new uniforms, exclusive shoes, um, and really trying to build them up in terms of recruiting. And that just kind of went through the roof while I was there. So to see it all in real time was pretty crazy. I think the biggest thing, though, for me was, um, you know, I, I drive slow, so I say it's like a two-hour drive. Some people say it's 90 minutes, but Eugene to Portland, it's about an hour and a half, two-hour drive, and so when I was in school, that's what allowed me to get the access early on to meeting people at Nike, meeting people at And one meeting people at Adidas, and then getting in good with the guys from Soul Collector, and so to me, that was always the game plan was um, I wanted to go to Oregon for the journalism program, which was highly rated at the time, and, and uh, I think still is, of course, but and I was in, in the school. Um, back then, there was four subjects you could focus on, and I, I picked magazine, because I always I was thinking, like, I'm going to go right for Slam, and then uh, Soul Collector started my freshman year, actually, so then that became my goal, and so for me, it was great, because a lot of the classes, a lot of the students, they all were you know between the journalism and the business school you had a really good like cross-section of people that were into this kind of emerging sports business lane um, but then you also had all these brands two hours north uh, that were really impacting the the athletic industry in a global way so um it was an amazing spot to be at because i was able to meet people i never would have met otherwise um i was a nike product tester at that time and and one product tester so that was before I was washed up like I am now, but I was playing at the rec center like every day at 7 p.m., you know? So I was, they were sending me stuff. I would be testing them for six to eight weeks and I would write these like crazy detailed reports, send them back. Um, And that's what kind of got the exchange of of A, meeting people on campus, um, but also starting to really like build a knowledge base of like what goes into the shoe process, how the design process works, knowing all the different technologies. And so that was kind of the starting point for me um, and, and something
0: i was able to build on that's dope man I, I love your experience i love the story that's 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 how it starts uh you know journalism isn't easy you know definitely definitely in my aspect i'm still working i'm still going and hopefully I, I get to you one day and catch up to y'all's level one day uh but man i see the oregon fours back there those those dope shoes i think the oregon fives are probably the dopest shoe and i i mean you're a big you love jordans right and then uh Favorite Jordan of all time, in your opinion? And I'll go, I'll go, I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna say the Jordan 1 is that's the ones, yeah. So, yeah,
1: it's funny you mentioned the Citrus 11 Lows because I have a, I remember when I got my first Jordans too, and it was, I still remember the day, it was October 6, 2001. And so it was the Black and Royal Jordan 1s, um, and they were 80 bucks retail. So, I had to chip in the 30 bucks. And was able to get those, but I didn't. And then I think I had black seventeens in high school because they had hit the Nike outlet for like eighty bucks, um, so I chipped in on those. But but I didn't have a lot of Jordans growing up. It wasn't until I was in college, mm-hmm. and uh, it's funny when you were talking about the life saving story. I remember uh, I want to say I had maybe like three or four hundred bucks, you know, to my name at that point when I'm in college.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I, that was probably after a couple of weeks of a paycheck saving up because I wanted to get the military force. And I remember getting two pairs of military fours thinking they were never going to come back out. And I think they've come back twice out since that, wow. <laughs> since that I read, first release. I, I, I ripped mine, mine. But I, I spent probably like 80% of my checking account on these military fours. And I think that's the thing, though, right? It's like my era, I was, so I was basically, LeBron's four months older than me, mm-hmm. but then I'm four months older than Jordan's rookie season. So it was this great kind of like midsection of, not growing up with the early Jordan years, but still being able to see him, you know, for the second three-peat live in person and growing up with the whole phenomenon of Air Jordans, at least. Um, but then the earliest ones, like, you go back and you try to get all those retros to kind of relive that. Um, so for me, with, like, the Jordan 4s, that was always the case, Jordan 1s. I think, obviously, everybody for the 11s, uh, that's a favorite of theirs, of course, too. And then I like a lot of the... The kind of more the more abstract ones too so like the indiglo 14s uh the black and blue Jumpman pros because that was the shoot kevin garnett war um i got a lot of kind of fun picks like that that aren't necessarily you know what i would say most everybody thinks of first but um I, I, you know it's hard to hard to go wrong with probably 20 plus jordans that are all iconic in their own way so there's, there's tons of stories tons of colors that speak to all kinds of
0: people okay so all right, well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, get, I'm, gonna get the, I'm gonna get off the shoe topic real quick, and going to talk about the Kings. Yep. So, what was it like being a Kings fan to now, and what's wrong with the Kings? And do you think you can get back to the Mike Williams, the Chris Webber, Lottie Divac, and of course, uh Pedro Stavakovich? I mean that. I mean that Kings era. You hear so many stories. You hear Chris Webber talk about the stories about how good the Kings were, and how he mentioned. And I want to see if it's true from you. He said the referees played a big part in that Lakers in uh King series. Is that true? Because I mean, I remember, I remember the Rockets, we got screwed in game seven as the Warriors. That's was that favorite. when you
1: guys missed 27 threes in a row?
0: <sighs> yes, but we had 222. See, six that's, so
1: as a Kings diehard fan. Yes. To me, game six was was definitely, you know, they had, I, I want to say they shot something like 30 free throws in the fourth quarter. There's a, there's a distinct play where Kobe elbowed Mike Bibby and like they called the foul on Mike Bibby and You know, there was all kinds of crazy calls that game in game six, but if you look back and I try, I try not to be too much of a conspiracy theorist sometimes. So if you look back, the Kings were at home in game five and actually got quite a few calls in game five also down the stretch. And then if you go back and look like game seven was actually pretty fair, I would say. So was the league trying to force, you know, game six to the Lakers way so that there would be a game seven. I'm sure that was the idea, right? Cause to have a game seven Lakers and Kings at that point was going to be super exciting for everybody. Um, but they still had a chance in game seven and just didn't pull it off. Um, you know, I love, I love C Webb and, and sometimes he shied away, you know, from, from those big shots. And then Mike Bibby would be the guy to step up. And in that game seven in particular, Peja had a look from the corner and he airballed a three and then they went to overtime. Um, so I, it's kind of funny you bring up that Rockets because I think when you're the, when that's your team, you think of like all the ways that it went wrong that, that wasn't their fault. So the refs or whatever else. Um, I, I was watching that Warriors Rockets series and just kind of, unbi- you know, in between unbiased. I mean, they missed 27 threes in a row. So, oh you know, you, you got to kind of look at it like, damn, we did have our shot and we kind of, we kind of, you know, just didn't pull it off. And I think, you know, yes, that game six was a crazy officiated game, but I kind of always, even though my Kings never pulled it off, I kind of did always respect Kobe and Shaq because, you know, even when they came back from down 15 against the Blazers the year before, or two years before, I think it was, um, you know, they, they came up big sometimes. Yes, they might've had a call here or there that they got a break on, but they also made the shots when they needed to. Uh, Sometimes it was Robert Orey, even sometimes it was Derek Fisher. So, as a Kings fan, I wish we could have said that, you know, Paige hit a shot or Bibby or, or Hito, but uh, that game seven just didn't go our way. And and that that was probably the first time I realized, too, as a fan. And I'm sure as a Rockets fan, you see how quickly things can change, right? Yes. It's like, you think it's going to last, like, all right, we, we had our shot this year and, like, now we'll come back next year. And then C-Web got hurt. And then C-Web got traded. And then Bibby got traded. And all of a sudden, it's like, kings are bad for 15 years (laughs) you know so
0: so like if you're a
1: rockets fan hopefully it's not going to be that long for you to bounce back but like you know you got this amazing run with james and pj and cp and everybody there and then you know i I think it was what cp's hamstring and all of a sudden like your whole run's over and that's it and you think it's going to be a five plus year run and it's like a two-year window so that's why i always um like even with the nets this year even with some other teams where it's like, when you go all in, like we see with the bucks this year, when you go all in and trade a lot of assets to try to build it build out for like a shot to have, like to have one shot for one to two years, as a Kings fan, I'm always like, I would love to have a shot for one year or two years. Cause we pretty much, that's all we've ever had. Um, so I kind of respect when teams go for it. Cause sometimes you never know, like I think it's a long window and miss 27 threes in a row and it's over.
0: Can we talk about the 222 missed foul call Scott Fisher? You see, we can know that's
1: I don't, I didn't really agree with that report either. I'm like, though, you can't. What did they say? It was like 181 points or something they should have got. I'm like, that's quite the what if scenario.
0: Let me tell you where I was at. They should have swept them. So let me tell you where I'm at. My friend, my my friend, Elijah's is from Milwaukee, right? bring him up. He's my roommate. That's the worst experience. No, he became a roommate the next year, <laughs> and then they lost again. But we, we, we became best friends that year. He's from Milwaukee. He's a big Bucks fan. He, they out of the playoffs. We're in third round. He's cheering against us the whole damn time. So me, and we're at Prospect Park in Houston, Texas. I've never heard about that spot. Okay. But we we're like we're like everybody's in like the Prospect area. We're like yo, we're getting excited. Fourth quarter coming around, but everybody's yelling it because James Harden gets fouled like five times behind a, behind the perimeter. Like they're they're letting they're letting. Um, what was number two's name? And I could not stand him, bro. He was fouling James Harden so many times. On the Warriors, yes, he's number two. He, was, um, he plays never team. I think he's a think he's a free agent now.
1: You're talking Pat McCaw? No, he was.
0: No, Pat McCaw. No, I'm it, trying
1: to think of who was in the rotation for that. He
0: was. But... It was number two. I remember he was like. So, so
1: here was the thing with that though. Like as an outsider, they did change the way that call like specifically was officiated because throughout mm-hmm. the regular season. James was getting a lot of those calls, but then once you got to the playoffs, like I've always thought that was not a foul because he's just like falling down on a three. And I think that was the thing. It's like you can't you can't leave it up to chance and put it on the ref when you could actually just take control of the game yourself. Like you're seeing him in Brooklyn now. Like the, the way he's playing in Brooklyn is incredible. Like he's such a great all around player. He could he could dictate the whole game. Pick whatever he wants to pick apart, find guys, shoot threes, drive to the rim, whatever. And I think in the in the Rockets era, that that series in particular, I think he was look, he was looking for the calls and still playing the game of like hooking the arms while driving to get free throws, falling on the threes to get free throws. And I think that's the thing. It's like when you're the aggressor and you're not just like waiting to get bailed out in a sense sometimes, or waiting to get a call or, or expecting that call then that's sometimes when things go wrong, you know? So I think that that team in particular, they had a couple breaks where they, they could easily pulled it off, but they also left, I think, too much up to chance and just weren't hitting their threes.
0: You know, I'm about to start singing that Shaq song. He sang the, uh a lot of Divock on the bus. You ever seen that video? He said he was singing a song about the Kings and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I might start singing a song a little bit. But just to speak on the aspect, man, um, the Kings. What do you think is going wrong with the Kings organization? And and then after that, give me your top five King players of all time. And I it's oh easy man, to you can do it. I think I, can do it.
1: Got, I think I got all three right here. I got uh, so so. Mitch Richmond is is up there. Wow, Jay, okay. will, then, uh, Jay will and then Jay Willis, Sue Web.
0: So Same. no Doug
1: Christie. I mean, all those guys were amazing. And so I think that's the first thing you point to, right? So that Kings team. Jeff Petrie was the GM and, uh, and uh, Rick Adam was the coach. And Rick was just like this really like free flowing, like kind of like what became the, the signs and the kind of the tempo teams and the Mavericks of the two thousands, like the Kings kind of played like that in a sense too. They just didn't necessarily shoot the threes and, and have the, you know, cause they still had some traditional bigs with, with C Webb and Vlade, but, but that team was so fun. So. I was in eighth grade that 98 season when Jay will and C got there. Um, and that was like the most iconic time ever because everybody, like I, I'm, I was throwing the craziest passes, always thrown behind the backs, like just the whole city started to, you know, adapt that style. And it was just a fun time for that era. I think you look now and that was probably the biggest thing for any small market team. Right. It's like, it's really hard to get a free agent that wants to go to sacramento like even chris weber says that like when he got traded to the sack he didn't even want to report yeah. it at first um and so what you got to do is you got to draft right and you gotta you, know, you gotta get lucky with some trades and doug christie when they traded for him nobody really expected much at all um even vlade was kind of like somewhat of a throwaway coming from the hornets and and older at that point and so all the guys they ended up trading for were great in that role and stars in their role and great and great fits but also like really unselfish and 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 just blended well and then the guys they drafted you know they had jay will and hito turkalu and gerald wallace and all these kind of role players that fit in really well too so it was kind of the perfect storm for that three four years uh you flash forward now and like De'Aaron fox buddy healed were great yeah you know great like foundational pieces but Obviously, the Bagley pick in retrospect hasn't aged well. And, you know, some of the other picks and trades and moves have been tough. And then um, they've just had a hard time getting free agents. So I think they got to kind of figure out, you know, do you do you roll the dice too soon and try to be an 8 to 10 seed but but miss the playoffs by a little bit? Or do you really rebuild and, and try to get a couple more picks in here and, and try to reestablish around De'Aaron, who's still really young um, going forward. You know, I think obviously they gave both De'Aaron and Buddy pretty big extensions. And, and I think that's the, it's, it's tough. Cause you don't, I think, you know, you look at a, a team I always compare Sacramento to is Orlando, just in terms of market size and like how hard it is to get a free agent sometimes. Um, and when the magic were at their best, they always had like a foundational franchise guy, but then solid role guys around them. And you've seen the magic in the last few years, like kind of hover in that, like eight to 10 range. And they're kind of always in the middle. They're not really like actually contender. They're not at the very bottom. Their picks sometimes are in like the, the 10 to 14 range or so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then when they do get a higher pick, you know, I, it was tough. Cause they, you know, Mo Bamba, I think people were really excited about, but at the sixth pick, you know, that hasn't been what they probably wanted at that pick either. So um, so it's tough. I think the Kings, you know, they're trying to reset again, but it's probably like the fourth or fifth time they've done a reset in the last 10, 12 years. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully this is the one.
0: <laughs> hey, dude, hey, I really do like Tyrese Hallenberger, though, man. I mean, I, I, I watch our play. Yeah, he's really. I think he will be something for you when next to Buddy Hield and D. Fox, and you build off that. I think y'all actually have to be coming. Y'all actually. I mean, between the Kings and Rockies, we're not the worst two organizations in the NBA. It's the Magic. We had and it's probably <laughs> Jordan and the Melo ball saved Michael Jordan. That's for one.
1: Another great pick. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. Then, yeah, and, yeah, and the like, Hornets
1: like, got a lot of flack for Gordon Hayward, but it's like he's it's just been playing, He's been playing alongside two other great players at the same position, and now he's on the wing himself and has a, has a great role with the Hornets. So I think you kind of, as a small market, you know, you're going to have to overpay at times for a free agent or what appears to be overpay. Um, but then once the guy's on your team and he's playing well, then, then you kind of just don't even worry about the contract at that point. So, you know, Bogdanovich, I liked a lot on the Kings and I was surprised they kind of let him go. Um, and so they've got to kind of figure out, you know, who the role, role guys are going to be. Uh, Halliburton was a great pick. You know, I think he was 12th pick, right? So that's a that's yeah. an awesome pick at that spot. Um, and so you start to build from there. But they've got a, y- a lot of young guys. I would like to see them as tough as it is, because obviously you do want to contend and win uh, and try to make the playoffs. But I, I think they should take a couple of years here to really get this young group, you know, situated and get some more low, you know, high 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 picks and see where they can land.
0: All right, man. But uh, we're all, we're all about to wrap it up. But check this out. Uh, I love the Chris Webber story when he walks in. He goes, Man, I didn't want to be here, dog. I didn't want to be there. But, you know, I got there, first practice. I, I did not even care to be there. And he, then he goes, You know, this kid named Mike Williams comes walk." I mean, no, no, we just, Jason it was Williams. Mike Williams. So he just, just, yeah, just starts talking shit. He goes, You know, he just starts talking. I'm like, I didn't know Mike Williams talk shit like that. And I'm like, What? I thought it was just white chocolate. He just got on the court and it's finesse you. He goes, Man, he's just talking, talking shit. And I was like, Then he's up there passes. And I was like, Whoa, what was this? So I'm like, Oh, I might like it here. I was like, Wow. Like, you know, here's some of these old vets talk about their teams, and you know, you relive in the glory days like the 2000s and 90s. And I, I mean, to me, I don't know what the best era of basketball is. And because you know, I grew up in the era when the 2000s was was banging, and I love mm-hmm. the 2000s. And I, can remember, I can remember almost every big game that I've seen from Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tracy McGrady, of course, Rockets, Yao Ming, Steve Francis, you know, and, and so on. And th- those are the guys that. I, I watched vividly, and then Chris Paul came along. LeBron James, like the 2000 was a fun era of basketball. Carmelo Anthony, and you know, you look at some of these guys. But uh, just to just to just to leave that subject, but um, well, first of all, you pick your era of basketball. But then uh, we're gonna we're gonna finish it out with the, uh, your probably your top five shoes, and then okay. we're gonna cut a shoe, and then we're gonna go to uh, PJ Tucker real quick. Have you ever have you ever been in the Rockets locker room before? Please say yes or no. Or you been in like in a locker room with PJ Tucker?
1: I have not been in the Rockets locker room, but I've seen the photos. But I've actually been to his house.
0: I seen it vividly with my yeah. eyes, and it was ridiculous. I'm like everybody. Like, everybody, in the media was like, "Wow, like this is this." It's shoe, just this
1: overflowing shoe. of all these other lockers. It's nuts,
0: dude. Then he has like shoe packages from like from like uh, East Bay or whatever, just at the door, and I'm like, yeah. "Wow, they give this man this." The Marcus Cousins caught it out, and yeah, that like, was a great video. Yeah, it was crazy. I, I, I'll probably name DeMarcus Cousins your top five. That's crazy. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, no, he he was. Uh, I mean, obviously, ended up getting traded to the Pelicans and has had a tough path since. But but Boogie's awesome, man. He's he was him and Tyreek. You know, they kind of were that early 2010s run for the Kings, and mm-hmm. and uh, obviously both have been, you know, uh, kind of going going on the I guess downside sense. But but um, in their in their heyday with with the Kings, mm-hmm. at least like you know, Reek was rookie of the year over Steph and Brandon Jennings and, and Boogie came out the gate and was really impactful. So that was a fun time where I think, you know, I think that's the one thing with Kings fans. And and sometimes when you're a fan of a bad team that, you know, is like always sort of at the bottom of the league, like you look for the small bright spots and even okay. a team like that, like they're fun, they're young, they're exciting. Um, and that's, that's exciting enough. You know, you don't get too hung up on if you're going to be able to win a championship or not. You just try to, you know, be be rallying around the young guys. And so I think that's kind of where I'm at now with it. It's like there's still every year you think you're going to have a shot at the playoffs and then you end up third or fourth at the bottom of the West or what, what they're at now. But, um, you know, hopefully they can turn that around.
0: Experience with Peter Tucker. What was like, what, what, which house you go to? go come to one in Houston?
1: Yeah, yeah. So well, he has, yeah. uh, I think our video, I think it's still up on YouTube. So um, Oh, yeah. He's got a trapdoor closet in that he had a trapdoor closet of where his sneakers were. Wow. So it was like this, it was like this hallway by his garage to his garage on the left and there's like a bathroom on the right. And then next to the bathroom was this bookshelf. And um, I was telling him he didn't really fake you out at all. Cause there's just three shoes on this bookshelf and the whole shelf's otherwise empty. So it clearly doesn't look like a real bookshelf, but you just push the bookshelf in and it's this whole like basically closet inside. Uh, where all of his shoes were at. So it was pretty awesome to see in person. Uh, I think the thing for me, what sticks out PJ, it's like, you know, obviously the guys in the NBA have a ton of money and some guys are, are trying to track stuff down and all the hype stuff and they understand they could get exposure. But um, for PJ, man, he's, he's as knowledgeable as anybody I've ever met in all my years of doing this. Uh, He has such a great, just like memory of all the original sneakers that you know he grew up loving Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes you'll see him kind of, you know, he'll wear a lot of hype stuff and a lot of rare stuff for like a couple of weeks in a row. And then you'll see him kind of like just pull out a random like LWP or a Force Max or just like a random 90s basketball shoe that like really takes it back for him. That was something he grew up really loving that not everybody's going to go as crazy about. Um, And I think he does that all the time just to kind of, just kind of go back to the beginning, you know, a little bit and just have some fun with it. So seeing it in person though, I mean, it was – there were some corners of the closet where I'd never seen that much rare stuff in one spot. You know, it was like, and I've been to a ton of collector's houses. I've been to um, all kinds of different, you know, whether it's like flight club or, I mean, you're literally walking into flight club when you go to his house. So it was, uh, it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And, and uh, just seeing the passion and excitement he had around it, that's what made it super exciting. Cause yeah. just it was, it was genuine. And that's, that's always been something he's been passionate about um, throughout his whole life.
0: Is he in your top three interviews as well, too?
1: Yeah, I, was, I mean him and Penny Hardaway, and then okay. um, yeah, Penny's Penny's awesome too. I mean, he's up there as well. And then um, you know, in terms of athletes, I'd probably say I'm trying to think, Nate Robinson was actually a great one too. We uh, oh, really? went to Nate Robinson's house up in Seattle. So I mean, just in terms of like guys that are um, just awesome to talk to, you know, there's there's obviously tons of guys around the league that are. Uh, amazing sneaker collectors or have great signature shoe lines, but uh, there's always guys that really stand out too.
0: Who was killing it in the league right now besides Peter Tucker?
1: So there's uh, Langston Galloway on the Suns. They're wearing a, a bunch of great stuff this season. Mm. Um, so he, let's see, three years ago on the Pistons, he started really breaking out a bunch of stuff. He's always had a really great sneaker collection, but then he was wearing um, the Q4 shoes, which he was doing like all the custom painted versions of. And now this year, he's back to breaking out all kinds of rare stuff. So he's had all kinds of rare Jordan stuff, rare old Kobe stuff, um, just a bunch of like crazy rare stuff from the two thousands, um, even some original stuff. So and he's a super knowledgeable guy too. So uh, he's he's always always great to see. Um, you know, I mentioned Nate Robinson. You've got you've got kind of a fun era now where you've got guys like um, Chris Paul. Well, we were talking about Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. You know, in terms of in terms of like who's playing and stuff that's rare on the floor. Um, in terms of collectors, like you know, <laughs> Paul Mello. Oh yeah, you have know, got guys that have been around, obviously LeBron that just have insane collections just from just all the access they've had over the years, too.
0: Yeah, he makes LeBron's look good on him. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> and like I don't know they can look good on me, but he makes every LeBron shoe that he wears look extremely good, which well, is that awesome. was always
1: the fun of MJ, right? It's like yeah. Jordan's never looked better than when Michael was wearing them. And that was always the appeal. Right. And I think, yeah. I think that's how, I forget if it was uh, Jason Petrie or Leo Chang, mm-hmm. you know, one of the designers, but they were, like, I think it was Leo talking about KD. He was like, that was kind of the idea with a lot of the KDs. It's like, it should look long and like, and a low top and like kind of have this unique silhouette because that's how he looks and that's how his style is. And the same way the LeBrons have like sometimes a high tongue and like have like a strong stance because that's how LeBron, you know, stands and, and is on the game floor too. And then Kobe's like real sleek and low and that's, it fits his personality too. So I think yes. they always joked about um, if you were to walk into a Foot Locker and saw each of their shoes on the wall, even if you didn't see the logos, you should be able to say like, that's the LeBron, that's the KD, and that's the Kobe just based off the silhouette. So, um, you know, I think Nike's done such a great job of that um, over the years with a lot of their signature shoes. And, we kind of see the same thing with the Giannis shoe now. So um, that was kind of always their joke with Giannis that first year with the freak, they were like, well, if he doesn't look like anything size wise on the floor, well, let's let's use the swoosh in a unique way. So it doesn't look like anything out there either. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting way they framed it up.
0: Dude, that was dope. I think my, you think about Jordan, uh, we're about to wrap it up. Uh, dude, dude, Jordan, the, my, my favorite Jordan shoe on him the whole time. Was him Madison Square Garden on, on Last Dance, and he had the Air Jordan Ward, he One. He said, "I feel out. They look. I have those in my closet right now. The Chicago ones. Everybody, everybody keeps trying to get them off of me. And I'm like, "Bro, no, get away from me, man!" Like they're like dirty and stuff. And I don't know if it's true for you. Dirty shoes look the best. And to go back. And I'll tell you a quick story. And then we're gonna wrap. It. Like, I had a pair of the military fours. I, I got them off of somebody. He gave them to me. So like, you giving it to me? Yeah, I traded them. I traded them for the red KDS. I was like, wow. "Okay." That was a steal. And so eventually I wore them and then the bottom of the heel just gave up. I was like, man, yeah. that's crazy. And then in college, I had I had the threes. I had the, uh, dude, the white and blue threes. And I really want them things back really bad. They were like the, uh, they were the true ones. True, the true blues. The ones he wore yeah. in Washington. Yeah. And dude, I wore those shoes like almost all the time. And they always stay clean. And so those are my favorite shoes on campus. And this, is my, my, this is like my say my third third or fourth week, like the first month in my, co- my college apartment. And um, I remember like vividly, I woke up a little, you know, out of there and I was really i ready to go to class. And I was like, I'm gonna go to class and stuff like that. All right, cool. I'm wearing my true blues. Man, I picked the box out of the closet. Man, it was covered in mold. I was so <laughs> hurt. I sat there and I was like, this can't be happening. This can't be true. I tried to wash them and the green was still there. Yep. I was like, damn, I gotta throw them away. So I, I cried. Like, I was like, dude, like, this is my best Jordan shoe in the damn closet. Like, I was like, dude, this is like crazy. Like, and I have a bunch of Jordans. I have the Space Jam, the True Blues, the Oregon Duck Fives. I finally got the breads from high school, um, went for a wedding gift. And I got probably like two or three pair of ones in my closet. I got a bunch of ones. And um, I've been giving away shoes too, uh, which I don't want. I like doing. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of Adidas in there. I got some in there. I got Adidas in my closet. I got Adidas. I just got a lot of, I got a bunch of variety thing. I like changing up. But Jordan is like my favorite shoe. And once I start, you know, getting the money up, I'm going right back to my back to my uh, shoe hunch. And I'm a co- I'm coming for you and PJ. man. I'm <laughs> I like you I'm
1: that. I like PJ. that.
0: I'm coming for y'all. So uh, to wrap it up, man. You have three. You have three shoes, right?
1: Yeah. I'm
0: gonna give you. You pick your three shoes, all right? Pick your three shoes right now, and then you got to do cut, start, bench. Mm-hmm.
1: And are these, these are things that I would want to wear every day or, like, my favorites?
0: Your favorites. Or you can do what you want to wear every day. It doesn't matter. Okay.
1: Because I might have two, I might have two different answers for that. Um, that? The Zoom Flight 95 is always my favorite sneakers. That's mm-hmm. one of them. Okay. Uh, there's a. See, like as much as I love the purple hyper flights, they crease like crazy. It's not really a shoe you could wear every day, right?
0: I remember those. Yep.
1: You know, so it's it's a little tough to tough to wear those. But um, there's a I always I always got to say these because there's a shoe called they're they're called Lanvin's or mm-hmm. or Vaughn. They're just black and white with a patent leather toe. Mm-hmm. I wear those all the time. Like if I'm going to dinner or just like trying not to wear a sneaker sneaker, then that's kind of like that's what I'll wear. So I'm, I always wear those, and then um. And I might have to put just for like every day, I might have to put like the ultra boost or like, like a Jordan one in there just to have something to kick around because you got to have like a casual, you know, like a kicker on shoe too.
0: Oh, you did, not, now you, now you got to start cutting, you got to start benching, cutting now. Here you go.
1: Okay. So, I mean, it's a per- I, I got to start the Zoom Flight 95s, right? That's, see, my, yeah. that's
0: my pick. Yeah, that's, that's your shoe, yeah, that's your shoe.
1: You know what's funny is um oh lord got- my brother got me this for Christmas one year.
0: Dude, I gotta put I gotta it's put like an that.
1: actual painting of the shoe which is pretty awesome.
0: That's so dope, I've got man.
1: these I've got these right here by my desk. But um uh let's see. I'll probably bench the Lambans and wait on oh, I gotta cut one too. You
0: gotta cut one, you gotta bench and cut.
1: Oh man, that's tough. All right, I'll probably I'll probably bench the ultra boost because once. Yeah. When my feet are sore from the Zoom flights, then I can slip the Ultra Boost on, and then I'll cut the I'll cut the language. Damn, so I'll, I'll
0: that. that's that's a good one. I, if you have to ask me, is the Air Jordan one, the bread, and then like probably I'll do a this just to make my life much easier. Uh, I mean, I would probably try to. I'll probably, I probably the shoe I really want to get, and I get, do get money, money, money. I will probably go after the the bread Air Jordan one, the bands. Yeah. I will pay whatever the money to get them things. Sounds so like the, they might
1: they might bring those back next year. We'll
0: see. Got you. Uh I would say the Air Jordan One bands, those are number one. I would say I would bench the Chicago ones, and then I'd probably cut um dude. I'd probably cut I'm oh, not cutting the damn breads. I'd probably cut like – I'd probably cut space jams. There you go. Yeah,
1: uh, that's a good mix.
0: I'll cut the space jams, but hey Nick, man, this was amazing. Uh, this is probably my favorite podcast of all time right here, man. You that's made it awesome hear, man. It was got this Yeah, it's to Talk about shoes, man. And hopefully, keep in touch in the future, man. It was great, dude. And um, and last thing, Oregon, how far do you think they're going in the tournament, and who's your final four?
1: Man, you know what? I I'm gonna. I know tonight's the play-in games, so mm-hmm. I, I'm old school. I print out the bracket and just hand mm-hmm. fill it out. So I, I'm gonna do that right after this, actually. Oh, it's not. Nice. I'm gonna say Oregon's going. I'm gonna say ah, Sweet 16's probably selling them short, but I'm gonna say Sweet Sixteen.
0: That's not bad. Okay. So
1: but this year actually, I probably. I watched a lot of Arizona state because of Josh Christopher
0: yeah, he's and good. then a
1: lot of, and then a lot of Oklahoma state uh, with Kate, Kate Cunningham. Houston rocket. You think so? I, I like that for you guys. I don't it know is... what you would do with John, but I like that.
0: We, we might have, uh, we might have like a Knicks who knows <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, him on the Knicks. I mean, they're probably going to be too good of a record, but yeah. Um, but you know, I think, I think this was probably the least college basketball I've watched in a long time this year. Mm. Um, Cause it was just, you know, some of the teams it was just so hard to like follow with COVID, all the different get the way the schedules were shifting back and forth, and you know it was hard to really stay up on some of the games. So I watched a lot of Arizona State, a lot of a lot of Oklahoma State, but uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Sweet Sixteen for Oregon, and uh, you know we'll see we'll see who comes out on top. But Michigan looks pretty good, and okay. Gonzaga, a couple other teams as well. So I got I got to go through and fill out my bracket, and we'll see how it checks out. Who do you got?
0: I got. Okay, so my bracket, I got two different brackets. Uh I got uh, of course. Yeah, just do the one. Okay, I am gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Michigan, of course. Okay. They're in there for sure, for sure. Illinois they do there. This, yeah. this cat this cat name AO is gonna blow the he's NBA up. He's nice. He's, he's right. gonna blow the NBA up. I mean he's gonna blow it up. I think uh Gonzaga's in there for sure, for sure. And I think I threw uh possibly Maybe Baylor. I don't I'm not sure if I do Baylor in there, but I think between Baylor or whatever team, I think Baylor's in the two. If not Baylor or Ohio State, one of those two teams okay. are in there. But I like I like Butler and I like Mitchell, but and uh, Ohio State against one who really rocked the world. Well, you know how Baylor does, in, you know how Baylor, you know how Baylor does in tournament play. Yeah. So, who knows, man? But yeah, that's, that's what I the got. The fun of it, right? You never know.
1: I got we money on fun. this, man. Oh, we we got,
0: I got some money. Oh yeah, I got money on this. So, <laughs> yeah, man. So we gonna see, man. But oh, it was great, man. Thank you, man. Thanks
1: for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Good talk to you. Good luck, man. Right? Good luck, man. All right, catch okay. it, what Take care, like what it feels like and this is what it feels like